want to thank you for joining us at Cowboy Junction Church today. As you hear this message, we pray that your faith will grow and you'll be both encouraged and challenged. If you enjoy what's happening at Cowboy Junction, it would really help us out if you would subscribe, rate, review, and share this online. You can also help us reach others by partnering with us financially. You can easily give a one-time gift or set up a recurring gift at cowboyjunctionchurch.com slash give. We hope you enjoyed this message today. Cowboy Junction Church, it's time for a big surprise. I know that you guys have been waiting to have this guy, and so we took an opportunity and used technology to get him here from Nashville, Tennessee, one of our favorite speakers of all time, our good buddy, would you help me welcome, Carlos Whitaker. Hey guys, Carlos Whitaker here. I'm so excited to be with you guys here at Cowboy Junction Church. Now, I say here at Cowboy Junction Church, but the truth is, I am not in Hobbs, New Mexico right now. Nope, I'm in my home here in Nashville, Tennessee. And of course, through the beauty of technology, I'm able to film this message for you guys, send it to Hobbs, New Mexico, let my friends there uh, send it to wherever you guys are at. I have grown to love, love, love Cowboy Junction Church. You guys have become family to me. I've been there numerous times and every single time I'm there, I literally feel part of the family. So thank you guys so much for allowing me to hop in here on Palm Sunday and uh, deliver what I believe is going to be not only good news uh, for your mind, but good news for your soul. So today specifically is Palm Sunday. And yes, like I love to do every single time I come to Hobbs, New Mexico, I want you guys to practice pronouncing my name no matter where you're at. You guys know how to say it. I say it every single time. You all love to say it. It's not Carlos. It is Carlos. So wherever you're at, wherever you're sitting, just give me a good morning, Carlos. Very good. You guys are getting better at that every single time. Um, Today, we're going to be talking about Palm Sunday specifically. And we're going to be looking at this first day of Holy Week and looking forward to next Sunday, which is Resurrection Day. Now, we all understand that there is Friday that happens in between Palm Sunday and Resurrection Day, Resurrection Sunday. And that Good Friday is the darkest day of our faith. But the beautiful thing is no matter how dark your faith looks or feels right now, Sunday is coming. So if you guys wouldn't mind for just a few minutes, let's take a look at what happened on day one of Holy Week, Palm Sunday. So I think that the most important thing we all can do to start out this Holy Week is get to the same starting line. Now, when I say the same starting line, I just think that we need to agree to a few things, right? Uh, We can agree to disagree on a whole bunch of things theologically, but this right here, What we find in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 14, this has to be our starting point when we're talking about not only Holy Week, but how Holy Week translates into the world and the weeks that we're living in right now. Now, this is what my translation says. All the translations speak a little bit differently, but they all say basically the same thing. Mine says, for here we do not have an enduring city. Right? So we're talking about here on earth, we don't have an enduring city. Enduring means lasting. When something has endurance, it lasts, it goes on and on. And it's talking about this world that we're in. This is not our enduring city, right? It says, instead, we seek the one to come. This world really has nothing for us. 
Yet, of course, we feel like this world has everything as well. We can enjoy our time here in this world, but we've got to know that the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ tells us that there is a world to come. There is a new world. It says Jesus is going to come back. It says that all the suffering, trials, and tribulations that we're dealing with here in this world, in this enduring city, is not the city that we were meant for. So if we can get to that starting point, understanding that we're just in a blink of eternity, I think that that's going to set us up for success in ways you've only dreamed. So what we're going to be focusing on today is one specific gospel story of Palm Sunday. Now, every single gospel in the Bible gives us a different viewpoint of what this triumphant entry into the city looked like for Jesus. This was the very beginning of, again, a very dark week that will turn into one of the greatest weeks ever. Not one of the greatest week ever, especially when it comes to our faith. And we're going to be specifically focusing on the Gospel of Mark. And the reason why I wanted to use Mark to describe what we're talking about today is that Mark goes into the most detail about this triumphant entry, about why we do this whole Palm Sunday thing. So if you guys wouldn't mind, open up your Bible to Mark chapter 11, okay? And we're just going to start right here at verse 1. We're going to read a couple verses, and then we'll dive into the text. It says this, When they approached Jerusalem at Bethphage, and Bethany, near the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, he being Jesus, sent two of his disciples and he told them, this is Jesus talking now, go into the village ahead of you. As soon as you enter it, you will find a young donkey tied there. Now, you got to think about his disciples, what they're feeling in this moment. They know that they've been ministering out in uh, the countryside, right? They've been in Galilee. They've been on these hills. They've been, um, you know, kind of ministering in what we would call these days, like maybe Redneckville, right? Like they're they're not in the city hub. They're not in the city center. They're out, you know, in some of the smaller towns, some of the smaller communities. I live in Nashville, Tennessee. So for me, uh, instead of knowing that Jesus is in downtown Nashville, it would be like he's more uh, on the, in, not even in the suburbs of Nashville. He's been ministering like down in Leaper's Fork where they talk like this. This is what they talk like in Leaper's Fork, and this is where Jesus was ministering. But suddenly it's time for Jesus to go minister inside the city. So now he's moving towards the city center, right? So his disciples are super excited. you you got to imagine. They're like, this is the time when Jesus has told us that we're going to march in, we're going to take over Jerusalem and show them who the real king is. But he says to them, right here, go into the village ahead of you. As soon as you enter it, you will find a young donkey tied there on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone says to you, uh, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord needs it and will send it back here right away. They went in and they found a donkey outside the street tied by the door. They untied it and some of those standing there said to them, what are you doing? Untying the donkey. Now, right, this is exactly what Jesus said was going to happen. Because he's Jesus. He knows those things. So after they said that, they answered them, uh, just as Jesus had said. So they said, our Lord needs it. Uh, and we'll send it back here right away. And then it says, um, so they let them go. I, don't you love it? You know, I mean, isn't it so true that in life Jesus tells us to do something? 
that may sound crazy. Uh, and then when we get in the situation, so many times we want to kind of turn to like our own strengths and our own um, skills when it comes to negotiation. And Jesus is like, no, just do what I said. And I promise it's going to turn out. They did what Jesus said. Just like Jesus said, they let him go. That was free. We'll keep on in the story. All right. So it says this. Then they brought the donkey to Jesus and they threw their robes on it and he sat on it. Now, before we go on, I want to sit here for just a second. I I, I want to sit here because the gospel of Mark actually goes into way more detail about that story, that part of the story than any of the other gospels. Why I want to sit here for just a second is because something amazing is happening. Jesus is about to enter into Jerusalem. He's about to have his triumphant entry into the city. But he didn't do it under his own fruition. He didn't do it uh, without allowing those disciples that were near him to be involved as well. And as Jesus asked his disciples to be involved in his triumphant entry, he asked them to do something uncomfortable. He asked them to do something uh, that to them seemed a little bit, I don't know, me, I think it was a little bit crazy. Yet, he invited them to be a part of preparing a way for him to go into the city. Jesus gave specific instructions to his disciples on how they can take part in preparing a way for him to enter into the city. Jesus was prepared. Jesus prepared his disciples. And so I think the turn here for us is going to be to ask ourselves this simple question. And the question is this, how can we prepare a way for the Lord into our kingdom? You see, Jesus knew every single detail of his future. Yet what we find here is he wanted to include all the believers and all his disciples, disciples, you and I, in that journey. And guess what? It it didn't end just here at this part of the story, right? Like Jesus still wants all of us to be involved in the journey of preparing a way. Yet he's going to do things like asking you to do things that you may think, "Well, well, wait a second, that seems crazy. Jesus wants a donkey. Jesus wanted a donkey. Like, if I think Jesus was going to um, ride into Nashville, Tennessee, ride into Hobbs, New Mexico, ride into whatever you may be watching this, I'm imagining Jesus is more on like an Anheuser-Busch horse, right? Look, those gigantic horses with those big hooves that make him look like a king. Not a donkey, like a donkey. That is what Jesus chose to ride into this holy city on top of. Now, for just a second, let me school you guys on what an expert I am on donkeys. I know a lot of us right now are experts on tigers. If you're watching tiger documentaries on Netflix, no, 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 no. I'm not a tiger expert. I'm a donkey expert. And let me tell you why. So listen, back when I was 22 years old, I was deeply in love with my wife, Heather, and I would do anything to marry this girl. And so uh, I didn't have a job at the time, so I knew I needed a job. Now, I was finishing up college, and as I was walking through the theater department one day, I happened to look on the wall, and there was a flyer. And on that flyer, it simply said, Disney Character Auditions. And I thought, that is me. I, I got in my car on Saturday morning, and I drove down to Disneyland. 
And when I got there, um, I realized that I may be out of my league. There were all sort. There was probably 800 people there. They were in leotards. They were in shirts that said cats across them. These were like Broadway dancer kind of looking people. And I was just like in my soccer shorts and, and a t-shirt. And I did not look the part. And then there's guys in leotards having their legs up on the mirror and legs stretching up on these bars on walls. And I can't even bend my, I can't even touch my toes without bending my knees. I'm so unflexible. But I thought, no, no, God, you have sent me here for a reason. I've actually dreamed, actually dreamed my whole life. Like, what would it be like to be Tigger? I want to be Tigger. I want to be Buzz Lightyear. I'm ready. So I walked in that audition room. And I started these auditions. They taught us a dance, and I forgot the dance about 10 seconds into it, so I started doing a little dirty bird and break dance, and I thought it was funny, and so did the judges. So I got moved to the next round. And then the next thing I know, um, they have me do the same dance, but they put, um, oh, 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 Briar Fox, they put that costume on top of me. And now I look in the mirror, and I'm like, I'm a Disney character. This is amazing. And so I do the same dance. I do the dirty bird, and then I move to the next part of the audition. So then they had me do charades inside of this costume. And then they did an interview with me. And let me tell you guys, eight hours after I got there, 780 people cut. I was one of 20 people that became an official Disney character. Now, if there's kids in the room that don't know that there's actually human beings inside those costumes, you can cover their ears. But let me tell you, I was so excited. I called Heather and I said, babe, you're going to marry a Disney character, and she was not as excited as I was, I will say, but I was excited, and I couldn't wait, and the next week, we went in, and we got measured for our costumes, and I was so excited to be Tigger, I was so excited to be Buzz Lightyear, and can I tell you, when that woman looked me in the eye and said, Carlos, congratulations, you are Eeyore, my jaw dropped, and I could not believe that after all that time and all that work, I had to be that donkey with the pink ribbon on its tail. But you know what? I sucked it up. I said, I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll be the best Eeyore they've ever seen. But the only problem is Eeyore is depressed. Eeyore the donkey is depressed. And let me tell you how depressing it was to be Eeyore. When I got out there and I would go into um, Toontown or I'd go over into where Winnie the Pooh hangs out and Tigger hangs out. Can I tell you? That it was 98 degrees outside. I'm dripping sweat inside of this Eeyore costume. And the line for Winnie the Pooh was a mile long. And the line for Tigger was two miles long. And the line for Eeyore was just the people that didn't want to wait in long lines. I know what it's like to be a donkey. I know that ain't nobody want to ride a donkey. Nobody wants to hang out with Eeyore. But Jesus, Jesus did. Jesus actually chose the lowest of the low things to ride into the holy city on. So now you've got it in your head. Hopefully you don't necessarily have an image of Jesus riding Eeyore into the city. But Jesus got on this donkey, the lowest of low animals, and he starts to go in. And that's where we find ourselves in the story. And this is what it says, right? It said, we just got finished saying they, they brought the donkey to Jesus. And then the disciples put their robes on the donkey so that Jesus could at least sit on that. But then in verse 8, it says this, many people spread their robes on the road. Now, these people were taking the robes off their back to lay down on the ground for a donkey with Jesus riding it to go over. Let's think about that for a second. 
The only time that you ever see this done before in scripture is way back in the Old Testament with another king. This was a thing that peasants did to show honor to the king. So they're so excited. They tear their robes off. They lay it down before the feet of Jesus. So my question to you is simple. What are the robes you can lay down to prepare a way for the king to come into your kingdom? What are the things that you've got to specifically lay down? You know, I actually asked this question on my Instagram as I was preparing for this message. And I'll put up a little feed here of what people were saying. But these were some of the things that people said that they've learned now through this pandemic that they were putting their trust into. Control. Technology. My rhythms, my schedules, my best laid plans. My calendar. Humanity. And the ability to get ourselves out of tight spaces. My income. My money. My business. My retirement. My economic security. My career. The government. Medicine. And of course, we all know that we've depended way too much on toilet paper because we can't find any anywhere. Guys, to lay down our robes is going to be difficult. It's not going to be an easy thing. And it's, it's going to actually look crazy for some of you. It actually looked crazy for me to lay down my robe. Um, as you guys know, this is my job. I write books and then I travel and I talk about them. And when this pandemic hit, over the course of 48 hours, I lost, via email and a few phone calls, three months of my income. Three months of my income disappeared in 48 hours. And I could feel the panic begin to rise. I could feel my throat begin to close up and I began to say, God, how am I going to get my family through this? But again, we have to know this world was not made for us. There's going to be suffering we go through, but God has never, ever let me down. So I kept taking my deep breaths, but I thought, I know what I'm going to do. I actually have an anxiety, anti-anxiety course that I created last year um, online that I'm going to sell. And I, you know, I made a good bit of money last year selling it. And I thought, if I sell this course again on anxiety, because so many people are struggling with anxiety right now, I can probably make at least a month's worth of income back. So I got ready to sell the course. I um, opened my laptop. I was about to send out, actually did send out a Instagram post saying, hey guys, swipe up, join my course, uh, and it'll help you with your anxiety and your fear and your panic and all the things that we're dealing with. Now, the second I hit publish on that post, there was a prompting in my heart. There was, there was something that happened in my gut that said, delete it. Uh, delete it? God, is that you? Because I need this money. No, delete it. So I deleted it and then I went to my wife and I said, hey, babe, like I was about to launch the course. She knew because we need we needed to make some money. But I felt like God told me to not launch it yet. And she said, well, why? I said, I don't know. So we both prayed about it. And my wife came to me the next day and she said, I feel like you need to give it away. Now, this is crazy because if I give the course away for free, I'm not going to make the money back that I need. So I said, no, no, that can't be the Lord. That's your, that's, that's craziness talking. She said, no, I think you need to give it away. So I prayed about it some more. And then I felt like the Lord told me the same thing. I couldn't believe I was going to do this. This course was going to cover a month's worth of income. So I went online and I said, guys, this is crazy. But I know that there's so many of you that are dealing with anxiety and depression right now that I feel like God is telling me to give this course away for free. Now, if you can pay for the full price, 
I would ask you to honor that full price. If you can only pay half price, I'd ask you to pay half price. But if you cannot afford this course and you need it for free, here's a coupon code for free. And I hit send. And it was the scariest obedience, prepare away moment I've ever had. Friends, I started to see the free coupon code begin to rack up in my course software. And I saw person after person, 100 people, 200 people, 500 people, 1,000 people in a course of a few hours use the free coupon. And I started doing the math in my head. Oh my gosh, this is so much money that I'm losing. How much money am I actually losing? But I took a breath. I prepared away. And can I tell you guys what happened? People started DMing me asking, hey, can I cover a scholarship for somebody that took the course for free? People were paying full price for the course. And before I knew it, 24 hours later, 24 hours later, I had not only made one month of income, I had made three. Three months of income the Lord gave to me when I did the crazy thing he asked me to do. When I went and got that donkey, when I went and did the thing that didn't seem normal, didn't seem right in my brain, I still was obedient and I prepared a way and I laid down my robe and look, he entered into my kingdom and he always will take care of us. So if the first thing we've got to do is to prepare a way for our king to enter into our kingdom, the second thing I want us to do on this Palm Sunday is to do what the Old Testament prophets were doing, and that is to proclaim about our king. There's nothing harder to do in these times, these uncertain times, uh, than to proclaim the good news. Because for so many of us, I and mean, we see it on the news, we see it on Instagram, we see it on Twitter, we see it on Facebook, it is just bad news nonstop. And so what inevitably, what ends up happening for us is we end up proclaiming that same bad news. But no, what if we were to flip the script? What if we were to begin to live that opposite life just a little bit? In Zechariah 9.9. Now, remember exactly what's happening right now, okay? We're rewinding back hundreds of years. And this is what it says. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout in triumph, daughter Jerusalem. Where are we at? That's where we're at. It says, see, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious, humble and riding on a donkey. Guys, Jesus was fulfilling the proclamation of the prophets back in the day. And this is exactly what Jesus does in our lives. So what I want to do for just a second is maybe every single person that's watching this, begin to think and ask yourself, what am I proclaiming loudest these days? What, what, what are my proclamations to the world over my life and over my family? And unfortunately, when we begin to look at our proclamations, we, we may start to see a pattern that we don't like. I know for me, if I start to look back in some of my old journals, I was seeing that I was literally proclaiming bad news over my life. I was writing things in my journals every single day like, I'm so stressed out. I'm so worried. I'm so filled with anxiety. I'm so depressed. Guess what that means I'm doing? I'm proclaiming that over my life. You know, it may not be in your journals. For some of us, uh, we can look at our Facebook feed. We can look at our Instagram feed, at our Twitter feed, and we can see the words that we're proclaiming. So for some of you, that right there is going to be your journal. 
And for some of you guys, you may just need to ask your family. What, what have you been hearing me proclaim? I don't do it right now because we've got to get to the message. But when, when we're done with this, how can you find out the negative things you've been proclaiming and how can you flip the switch? I want to give you guys some specific scriptures that you can begin to proclaim over your life, that you can begin to proclaim the goodness of God, proclaim his sovereignty, proclaim how amazing he is, proclaim that he's a protector, proclaim that he's a healer. You begin to proclaim these things in your life, just like the Old Testament prophets did. We're going to see Jesus continue his journey into your kingdom. Here's a few of them. Uh, and again, these are proclamations that are based on scripture. I am the body of Christ and Satan has no power over me for I overcome evil with good, right? I am of God and have overcome him. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I will fear no evil for you are with me, Lord. Your word and your spirit, they comfort me. I'm far from oppression. Fear does not come near me. No weapon formed against me shall prosper for my righteousness is of the Lord. For whatever I do will prosper for I'm like a tree that's planted by the rivers of living water. So good. I take the shield of faith and I quench every fiery dart that the wicked one brings against me. I'm delivered from the evils of this present world, for it is the will of God. No evil will befall me. No plague will come near my dwelling. For the Lord has given his angels charge over me, and they keep me in all my ways. And in my pathway is life, and there is no death. Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law. Therefore, I forbid any sickness or disease to come upon this body. Every disease, germ, and virus that touches this body dies instantly in the name of Jesus. I command every organ and tissue of my body to function in the perfection that God created it to function. I forbid any malfunction in my body in the name of Jesus. Do you guys see how these proclamations, when we proclaim these things, Oh, you begin to feel the goodness of God rising up inside of you. The fears um, of, of us laying down our robes and our palm branches and all the things that we've held as idols, those fears begin to dissipate. And when they dissipate, friends, I'm telling you, this is when God's goodness begins to rise up inside of you. And then what's going to happen is you're going to begin to see the fruit of these proclamations happen in your life. Step one, prepare a way for the king to come into your life. Step two, though, we've got to proclaim his goodness. Proclaim his truth. Do not proclaim the enemy's lies. That's what the enemy wants us to do is proclaim his lies. No, it's, it's time to stop, especially in the middle of the madness that we're in right now. Start proclaiming the truth and watch literally the atmosphere begin to shift around you. Okay, guys, so we have prepared a way for the king. Ah, that's step one. And let's be honest, like preparation, that step, that's probably the hardest step. Because again, that takes us taking our robes off, laying them down, taking our idols off, laying them down. That is difficult. But once you prepare a way and he's coming through, then you get to proclaim everything that he has done. And then after the proclamation, that was a step we just got done with. What I want us to do now is just simply focus on praise. So what do I mean by praising God? Well, well, well here's the deal. There's praise and thanksgiving often go hand in hand. You praise God for who he is. You thank God for what he's done. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. What does Hosanna mean? Well, let's look at that word for a second. Hosanna means God save us. 
Hosanna is a word that when I was growing up, that was like the praise word, right? It was like, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. I don't even know if the melody went like that, but all the songs when I was growing up in church had Hosanna and Hosanna. And I was like, Hosanna is awesome. But the word actually means God save us. And if you look at the story a little bit more intently, you realize that these Jewish people were literally looking to Jesus to save them. They were looking for saving. So when you look at the word that way, suddenly like the um, the shine and the shimmer falls off. And you've got people that may have been desperately yelling, Hosanna, save us. Now there's a little bit more fear. There's a little bit more um, trepidation in their voices. There's a desperation in their voices as they are yelling Hosanna. So I just want to let you guys know that if you're in a season of desperation, if you're in a season of needing saving, if your marriage needs saving, your finances need saving, your children need saving, your health needs saving, Hosanna and praising God is the way to your saving. Praise precedes our breakthrough. Do you guys need breakthrough? Do, do, do you guys need Jesus to not only ride in on a donkey in your life, but storm the gates for you? I believe that your praise is going to get you there. Let me show you guys. Let me give you an example of what praise really does in our bodies and in our lives. All together, wherever you're at, I want you to take a deep breath. You ready? Did you do it or did you just watch me do it? If you didn't do it, we're going to do it again. Ready? Did you feel that? We literally felt that breath affect our body. Do you know what we're doing when we're breathing? What happens when we breathe is we're actually inviting an outside force into our body. A friend of mine named Ben this week showed me this in an exercise. And he explained that we're inviting this outside force into our body. And then once it goes into our body, it goes into our bloodstream, then it goes into our extremities, then it goes into our brain. And it literally, the oxygen that we've invited into our body affects absolutely everything inside of us. And can I tell you something? When you praise God, you are inviting him the exact same way into your body and into your life. And if we think oxygen can affect us, can I tell you how much more God himself will affect every part of your, not only your body, but your life when we invite that outside force in. Praise literally will change everything about who you are. So my friends at Cowboy Junction Church, let's do it. This week... I want you to let go of your ropes. Let go of the things that you've been holding tight, that you just, God, I don't know if I can live without this. This pandemic is going to take this from me. My recommendation to all of us is to find those things we've been holding tight to, lay our robes down at the feet of him and let him walk into our kingdom. Prepare a way by laying him down. That's step one. Step two course is to proclaim. Proclaim the truth of the good news of the gospel. Oh, friends, when you start doing that, all your friends are going to start saying there's something different about them. I mean, is this not the season of the planet of history when Christians need to be the most level-headed? When it's the Christ followers that people need to be pointing at going, how is it that they have so much peace? 
How is it that they're proclaiming such good news? Yeah, 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 yeah. We get to proclaim, and I'm telling you, if you didn't think that you were evangelist because you don't know scripture and you don't know all the things that you think you may need to do in order to lead somebody to Jesus, if you are just a level-headed Christian that is proclaiming good news, that's all it's going to take for people to start wondering, how can I get what they've got? So that's step two. And then, of course, step three is to praise. Praise is going to precede our breakthrough. Guys, I am so anticipating what I believe is going to happen in the life of Cowboy Junction Church. I believe that this week, as we prepare for the great day that's coming, the resurrection, that you guys, on a daily basis, if you do these three steps, I believe that you're going to have some breakthrough in your life and some freedom in your life. And that Holy Spirit oxygen is going to start coming through your veins and you're going to see shifting and changing in the atmosphere. Let's pray. God, I am so grateful for the people of Cowboy Junction Church. I'm so grateful for uh, maybe the wrestling that's happening right now, the, the wrestling that's happening internally that we're realizing we've got to let go of some of these robes. And so will you specifically show us this week, God, what idols we must lay at the altar, what idols we must lay down as you are coming into our kingdom. And Lord, when that happens, can we begin to proclaim the good news and show us the proclamation specifically that we need to be proclaiming. Show us the things that we've been proclaiming that we've got to stop and be very clear, Jesus, as to what it is we need to start proclaiming. And Lord, as you continue your journey into our kingdom so that our kingdom because your, becomes your kingdom, will our praises, will our praises begin to rise all around where we're at in Hobbs, New Mexico or Nashville, Tennessee, wherever we are. May our praises rise and may the world see we are praising God in the midst of a crisis and we will not be scared and we will not turn our back towards you. We will walk steadily one foot at a time towards who you are. For it is by the blood of the cross and the power of the resurrection that every single person in every living room, every phone, every car, wherever you're at, can we all say amen together? One, two, three, amen. God bless you guys.